Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I want winners. I want people that want to win. want to thank Zach Hernandez for our intro video. Rod, I think that means that we're legit. We got a video. We got a theme song. Production value. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It it would be a lot better debuting that video after a victory than after a loss. I'm very happy for that. But uh, how you been? It is uh, it is Monday evening. We're going to go a little late in, into the evening here, but we won't we won't overstay our welcome. That that game was so fast. I don't even think it was three hours. That was crazy. I mean, I, I looked up and it was like, you know, is damn right halftime and it wasn't even it wasn't even seven o'clock yet. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, exactly the way that they what they wanted to do. Right. Keep the clock running. There wasn't a lot of penalties. So thankfully. Thankful for the refs because both teams are, are pretty physical teams and they just kind of let them ball out and play. And, you know, you, I know you mentioned in our Facebook group that, you know, Nick Bosa's held pretty much on every play. And, yeah, they didn't call it. There was especially one right before the the fumble where uh, Samson uh, Ibukam got the fumble. Like, you see Bosa's helmet, like, kind of go up. And I'm like, okay, okay. I know what's crazy. going on here. This guy... But uh, but yes, it was a great game to watch from a from the perspective of the 49ers. I have a, a Rams buddy who I was in a chat with, and he was you know he was just ho hum, same old problems that they've had over the over the whole season so far. So we'll we'll break that down. But you know the first point that I have for you is uh, our guy here. <laughs> the goat this is the goat and and my question for you to kind of kick this off what was jerry drinking there you you uh, i know it's san francisco and they want (laughs) to say wine but that's definitely in my mind that is hennessy for real that is yak that is what that is what the goat is drinking I think you're right. In because, my world. <laughs> well, well, I don't think it was wine, though. I think he was trying to pretend or show that maybe trick people to think that it was wine. Or maybe maybe he started off with wine. And, you know, Jerry, Jerry's one of those guys who, you know, he's 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 like a historic wedding crasher. Mm. So you can imagine you know, Jerry's just out there with the glass and, and people, you know, people have their stuff and they're just pouring for Jerry. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, if I, I would, I'd be pouring for Jerry. What? I mean, come on, come on, Gary. When's the last time Jerry Rice bought a drink? <laughs> he, he shouldn't ever. Like if Jerry Rice has to buy a drink, like we're doing it wrong. Exactly. And him, all of them. Um, Joe, Steve, Ronnie, all those guys should be, they should never they should always drink for free in my world yeah uh that that was it was great to see him out there you know it's one of those things where you know we don't see it in sports as often as we did when you and i were younger but we were very lucky to have jerry play what was it about 90 percent of his career in san francisco there are those raider years and he was still productive and there was the the forgotten uh Broncos year, and I think there was a Seattle training camp, or maybe I got that flipped yeah. around. 
But like he is a 49er true and true. And it is great to see him come out and represent and show his love for the team. Cause you know, those guys now, you know, you, you think about it, like someone like Debo, you know, he probably didn't even really see Jerry play when Jerry was Jerry. Like he's that young of a dude. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's great to see him. So I was, I was happy to see him. I was happy to see him partying with the fans like that. That fan base came out now. I don't know about the the pink smoke bombers. I don't know what that was all about. I saw somebody get trucked by Bobby Wagner on the sidelines there who had the pink smoke bomb. I, I'm sure we'll sort of figure out what they were presenting. They, there was a T-shirt that I couldn't really read, so there was some sort of thing going on there. But ultimately, it was a great night in, in Santa Clara. You know, I have, one, I have one problem with the ESPN broadcast. I thought the ESPN broadcast was super clean. It was great. There was one problem. They did a little animation of the cable cars in San Francisco. And I'm like, I know the logo on the helmet says SF, but these dudes are not hanging out in San Francisco. Like, you know, for the last, uh, what is it, like seven seven years now. They, 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 everything is in Santa Clara. Now, I'm sure there's pro- probably some folks who actually live uh, a little bit further up north. But I think we got to figure out like a, a way to, like it's not like it's not San Francisco. I know the fan base is still, you know, the the, the his, history is there, but we have to figure out a better way to like signify the Bay Area. Like I I love the the idea that the Bay Area has so many teams, but to keep calling it San Francisco because of the logo is a little. I think it's a little ingenuine, uh, disingenuous. I, I don't know. What do you think well, about that? I mean, you definitely. I mean, you. I mean, there's you can work a roller coaster into it, <laughs> obviously. But hell, in terms of large cities, they're closer to San Jose than they are yeah, San Francisco at this point. You know, some little Santana Row action. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. The Winchester house. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff down there in the South Bay that <laughs> is um worth checking out and worth promoting to still be, you know, talking about 50 miles away is kind of, it's kind of lazy to me. I don't know. know, Candlestick park doesn't even exist anymore. That's crazy. Like like the, the stadium was blown up. Gosh, it's been a few years now and the whole area is just a dirt area. Like, I don't even know what they're going to do with it. So like that, like I get it. Like I love Candlestick park. Like everybody else, like that's where I grew up going to giants games, but, I think we we kind of need to move on with the I San mean, Francisco. In San stuff. Francisco, obviously, from like a, a television production standpoint, I mean, it's very p- picturesque, and yes. I mean, there's there are a lot of iconic shots. So, I mean, I get it from that standpoint, but it's just it just doesn't reflect the reality of the team, you yeah. know, anymore. That's you know, that's that's warrior and giants domain now yeah yeah exactly uh all right we have we have some people checking us out live on the live stream on uh, youtube or or facebook or or maybe even twitter so let's get into the nuts and bolts uh, of what this game was really about and i want to start with the defense because i know you know jimmy is the story because quarterbacks are the story and that's just how it works and in the nfl uh for the national media but we're not national media like we're, we're we're the we're the nuts and bolts of, of, of the, the hometown of the home team. And I have a question for you, and I'm not exactly sure what you're going to say, but I'm really interested on what you're going to say. And that is, is this 49er defense the best defense in the NFL? I think so. I mean, I I was just looking as we were um, – as I was waiting for the live stream to start at the, the stats and we, we were right there in terms of points allowed and, you know, all the stats say we, we look very good as, you know, definitely top three. So yeah, for real, I, I think, I think they are when it's all said and done. And Nick Bosa is a monster. He is a problem. <laughs> he really is a problem. I mean, that dude, we we talked about it on another one. Because not only 
is his get off amazing if he happens to get on the ground his motor just doesn't he never stops he he's determinator he just keeps coming and um he's he's just a, uh he's just a load to deal with for anybody and that just you know in the analogy i made last week i really believe it. he's kind of like steph in that he just makes he makes it easier for everybody around him because he's just he, the 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 gravity of the the offense has to you know you got to find him and it's it's all based on you got to try to stop him um and so everybody else is able to get a, a, an opportunity to eat because of it and, and you know the rams i thought they did you know again they did a real good job of trying to um work that screen game mm-hmm. to try to use that um aggression against us and they they moved the ball pretty well if they could keep him if they could keep stafford clean you know they were able to, to get a little bit done they couldn't yeah. do anything in the red zone but um yeah i mean it wasn't until D'Amico started really dialing up some blitzes and heating him up that, um, you know, we were able to get him off his spot and then, you know, make some plays. But, yeah, I, I to, to go back to the your original question, yes, I think so. I think we are the best defense in the league. Quick shout-out to uh, good friend Mark Nobita, who he watches uh, – he when the, when the Warriors were in the playoffs – you know, me and my son, we were pretty much up like at the end of every playoff game. We missed a handful, but we were pretty much up for all the games. And Mark was uh, w- w- was watching those uh, live streams. So really appreciate Mark. And he checked in last year when the Giants were also in the playoffs. So thanks, Mark, for checking us out. And Mark is someone who uh, I've known for, gosh, it's probably been, it's probably like over 20 years now because our kids... Uh, I knew him when before my son was even born and so my son's 22. So his daughter wow. is like a month apart. They're a month apart. So yeah, so over 20 years, Mark, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, so uh, also shout out to Rick uh, who says the depth of our defense separates us from most other uh, teams, defensive units in the league. And I think that's a really great point because Niners were without Kinlaw today. And then they lose Armstead. So they lose two tackles and they're able to still have depth on the defensive line. Uh, you know, when you have Bosa, like you said, Bosa just makes everyone else better. Uh, but Ibukam, uh, he had a sack. He had the forced fumble. He looks great. He gives me, he scares me though. When, when I see that number, I'm like, oh man, that reminds me of Ruben Foster. I, mm-hmm. I, was, like, I was like, is Ruben Foster back? No, 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 that's not mm-hmm. Ruben Foster. But, um, you know, that sets the whole thing off. And, you know, the, the the secondary, we now have a lot of talent in that secondary, too. So you can take some chances with those blitzes as as Ryan's was doing today. And you, you think about it, you go, wow, you know, Cooper Cup is one of the top three wide receivers in the league if he's not the top receiver. And to bring pressure means that, Sometimes you're you're leaving one on one with him, and we saw that in the end zone with uh, with Fred Warner had him one on one in the end zone, and uh, and so you know whatever whatever he's doing is is just fantastic, and you know we kind of joked about this in in the the Facebook group, but he's got to be like on top of boards to become a head coach next year. I don't know how much longer we're gonna have this guy. He is so good. Um, and it, like you say, it well, like I was saying, he is he did such a good job um in game making adjustments. And it reminds me of like a pitch, it's like a baseball analogy, but adding um Mooney has is like getting an ace of your pitching staff. And then it strengthened the staff, you know, so you're able to move everybody back one. Mm -hmm. So now Mosley is not your number one. He's your number two. And, you know, on down the line. And it just has really made a difference um, in the secondary. You know, it's 
they are and I noticed it immediately in camp that he just kind of brought an attitude that those guys were just really, really um, confident and they're playing confident, which really changes the defense because last year is a lot of cover three because they really didn't have anybody who you wanted that you felt comfortable down in and down out playing man. So you know, you're able to do that. And I mean, Cooper Cup is just a monster. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just so good. <laughs> he's he, you know, there are times when, you know, the coverage was right there. And I mean, he just finds an opening and Stafford finds him. And that's, you know, it's just what it is. You're not gonna shut him down. But I'm cool with that. If that's how they want to do it, if they wanna just eschew everybody else and just target him you know, 20 times, that's fine. I mean, I, I, I think now we're in a position where we can, we can, um, we can survive that if we just rally to him and don't let him, you know, get a whole bunch of yards after catch, you know, I, I think that, I think this is, you know, this is a script. The way the game went tonight is fine. You know, you know, they really weren't able to do anything on the ground. You know, they couldn't, no big plays. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, was, do you know what the uh, yards per catch for Cup was? It was. If you were to guess before you even look at the number. Oh, um, I don't think it was ten. I I would say six or seven. Yeah, it was. It was like eight something, and some of that was was late. Eight point seven, which is amazing because his long was 18 yards. And so in that means that there was a a handful of four and five and six, Mm -hmm. sixes as well in there. And I thought the best thing about the secondary was they knew it was almost like, okay, like you said, he's, he's just going to catch the ball. Like he's got great hands. He runs great routes. Stafford looks for him you know, more than, than maybe anybody that I've seen and, and still, you know, able to get him the ball. But the second he got the ball, there was like a couple of screens where he picked up a few yards after yeah. the catch, but he makes that catch. And those guys were on top of him and they were not going to let him go knowing that this is how we have to play them. Like, yep, he may get that, but we can't let him break loose and, and get the big play. And so I thought that was tremendous. The tackling in the secondary was tremendous. And the Rams, I did not expect the Rams to run the football. Uh, Cam Akers, what's up with Cam? Eight carries for 13 yards. Uh, Daryl Henderson, who I think he was just recently activated. He had seven for 27, a little bit better. But by then, you know, the Niners... um, the, you know, the Rams were, were playing catch up by then, by where, where a lot of Henderson's uh, carries were. And, you know, the Rams couldn't run the ball. And so their offense was very predictable. It was very 49ers like in the sense where it was a lot of quick stuff, which helped because I'm going to bring it up. Rick's guy, Hufanga, who we were talking about in the first two games, going like, okay, is he good? Is he just a, a kind of a run stopper and knows for the ball kind of guy? How is he going to do against some of these teams who can throw the football? And I, and today he makes the big play, which really puts the game away when Shanahan goes for the field goal instead of the fourth and, and, and goal at the half yard line. And he's the one who puts the game away with the, with yeah. the pick six jump in the route, which, you know, they Rams had to go quick because, or else, you know, Stafford would have been sacked more than the seven times that he was actually sacked. And so they were a lot, a lot of quick hits and uh, they jumped that ball. Hufanga end zone nose for the football, big play. We haven't seen him get get beat deep on a on a non broken play. We mentioned that 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 Pettis, that Dante mm-hmm. Pettis play uh, in, in week one. But yeah, man, what a what a find what a for him to just be able to slide in and be the man it has been great to see. And it's also, it, this is a hat tip to, to John Lynch and, and, and Kyle for really 
making it a point of like, if this guy's available, he's ours. Like, cause we see things that, you know, other teams who are looking a little bit closer to the 40 yard dash time, you know, weren't seeing. So man, what, what, well, what a play to, to ice that game for them. Well, I'm so he's good. I am not going to get into the, 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 the coded speech. He's not <laughs> just instinctual. He, he's a player. He's a player. That was a smart play. Um, he, from my vantage point, he knew what was happening. They were clearing out and he, he jumped the route. It wasn't yep. like it was just an instinctual play. He knew what was coming and played it, you know, played it aggressively. Um, it was a great play. Um, I, I'm, I'm for, I think we're further far, far enough along in the season to say this dude, he's a baller. He's, he's legit. And we've now got a very interesting situation developing at safety, a place that was quite a question mark, I guess. Number one is just about ready to come back. And I, I think this is going to be football, you know, whoever earns those snaps is going to get those snaps. So Gibson has played well. Um, obviously, Hufunga has. And, you know, Jimmy Ward, you know, for the past several years has been the rock back there in the secondary. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is a good problem to have um, moving forward at a position where, you know, for me, was definitely one of the question marks coming into the season. And having depth. It is great because you you know the you saw today Ken Law doesn't play Armstead tries to play gets hurt to have depth on the defense is is so beneficial to them and to then have that in the secondary now you know maybe Jimmy Ward is maybe we can give him a few weeks to kind of get his his feet under him a little bit and and continue to to get healthier and healthier and then. By the time he's ready, you know, it could be it could be where somebody else gets hurt and he just fills in. So that that's that's really for me, uh, you know, it, it's it's such a nice thing to have for them. Uh, same thing at same thing at linebacker, you know, with Aziz being out. Yes. Flanagan Fowles has stepped up, and then we'll get there later when we start talking about um at the end when we talk about players of the game. Oh yeah. It's gonna be <laughs> You will, You're gonna have like ten guys. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, and definitely one of our linebackers for sure. So yeah, so the 49ers, and just to kind of put the uh, the period to the end of this point here, they've given up the lowest amount of points in the league so far at 46 points. One of those I mentioned that broken play, which that that counts. Like that's that's mm-hmm. the offense taking advantage of, of a of a play. Uh, Justin Fields making a play, and one of those is actually a special teams breakdown where Robbie Gould gets the the kick blocked in in Seattle. But they lead the NFL in overall uh, points against at, at forty six, and I think the next I think the Cowboys are next with like sixty one or something like that. So. You know they they, they need to, they need to improve on the offense because they're also not scoring a lot of points. But from a defense perspective, uh, they are not giving up points. I think they said today on the on the telecast they haven't given up a, a touchdown in the first in the first half all season long. So that's going to be a nice little thing to look at, especially as we go to Carolina next week. See if they can hold that. I think that's going to be one of those stats where. You know, they're like, let's just keep it going. How long can we keep this going? Holding teams to field goals in the first half and let, let's see if we can make it a thing. Yeah, those, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about next week. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Carolina, that, that's rough. They are rough. But, you know, the, the Rams, we, you had kind of mentioned it with their running game. It that, That's not a new phenomenon. They really haven't been able to run the ball off season. No. Um, so I don't know, like you had mentioned, I don't know what's wrong with Cam Akers, but um So I asked asked my buddy who who's a Rams fan. He said, you know, he had he had the injuries last year and he came he came back late and I think it was an Achilles actually. Yeah. And you know, he's just he's kind of in the doghouse a little bit from the perspective of 
you know, the coaches, you know, making a couple uh, of things about, you know, oh, you know, the ma- making the, uh, the we, we need to see more urgency from him, you know, which isn't great when when you're talking about supposed supposed to be one of your big playmakers on offense, because outside of cup, um, you know, I was like, where's Allen Robinson? Like this guy should be eating in this offense. And he's not the only other player outside of cup who even shows up in the statistics is Tyler Higby Higby. Mm -hmm. and he's 10 catches, but also only 73 yards. So he's catching the ball and they're wrapping him up and they're not really moving the chains with some of these plays. So uh, some of that is, is very much kudos to the, to the 49ers. Some of it is also the, the Rams offense, you know, and it, a lot of it is in their offensive line. They're banged up. Uh, They can't run the ball. So their offense has become pretty predictable. But yeah, I figured Allen Robinson was going to be a guy for them. And today, just two well, catches for seven yards. Well, uh, one of my friends had, had messaged me, you know, about a comment that Aikman had made about Cooper Cup or Tyler Higby taking the top off the defense. I mean, you know, that's just that's just not going to happen. That's not yeah. their game. No. Um, and Allen Robinson would be a guy if you thought of the guys out there, because obviously they don't have Van Johnson right now. Of the guys that are out there, you would think he'd be the one that they'd be trying to do. Well, again, somebody like Atwell or that kid Powell, but I don't know what's going on with them that they, you know, don't be, they aren't able to deploy them, it doesn't seem, or don't have faith in. I don't know what it is, but there was nobody. I don't, they don't even really threaten us deep. No, the other guy uh, was, uh, um, Scourneck, how do you pronounce? Oh that? yeah, 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 yeah. And and like you know he he's kind of tall and gangly, but he he's not the guy not that you're really worried about. You know, taking it all the way to the to the house. Mm-hmm. And really, that's that's the difference because the teams were playing closely. The Niners scored that that first touchdown uh, on the Jimmy. Uh, the, sorry, the Jeff Wilson Jr. burst just found that burst. And uh, and took it to the house over thirty yards, but it, with the exception of that play, the teams are kind of playing back and forth, back and forth, kind of similar style. No one's really getting away from it. But the Niners have Debo, and Debo makes the one big play that was just enough for this offense to get out. And and then you know you're playing with that that eight point lead versus. You know what? What would have uh, what would have been a one point lead essentially because of uh, you know just trading the field goals. Well, because I mean, as as well as it was going, we were sitting there in the second quarter again at like fourteen to six, and it's like, uh oh, here we go. We've played well, but that the team that we're playing against is right there. Um, you know. You know, I, I guess I'm kind of shell shocked sitting there waiting for disaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, we'll get um, to that in a second because I've found a term for those moments where you're just kind of going like, okay, when are we going to make the mistake? And I think that they should just be called Jimmy throws because we had a little bit of momentum I forget the tight end uh, that he was running free and he threw it over the wrong shoulder and the tight end. Okay. And then on third down, I think he missed Jennings. Who's like the tallest receiver they have. And I'm just like going like, Oh no, like the, the Jimmy throws are back. Now you could say the Debo touchdown was a Jimmy throw, right? That was a miss. If he goes, (laughs) If he throws it to where Debo is, that's going the other way. That's a pick six. But thankfully, (laughs) because it was a Jimmy throw. Thanks for the Jimmy throw in that case. It it was off target. And the the DB who who read it perfectly, like almost read it too good because then Debo took it to the house. But the difference really to me in this game uh, in, in the second half, the defense just started teeing off on Stafford because they knew they're like, oh, you're just throwing every down. But, you know, going into the second and the third quarter, to me, the difference was Debo makes can make that play. He's a game breaker. And the Rams offense didn't have any of those plays. Mm-hmm. And to me, we'll get to we'll get to, you know, the MVP of this game or the player of the game uh, in a little bit. 
But man, to have him on this offense, he is he is the guy that can erase mistakes for you. Yeah. And it's so beneficial to have him. And and it's the you know, it's it's the missing piece of of the offense, because where would we be without him? You know, we would have very much been doing what the Rams had done. And and Rick actually looked up the targets. Uh, Stafford had 48 throws. 33 of them were to Cup and Higby. <laughs> that it, it's just it, that's unsustainable. But yeah. their whole I I said last year they won a championship. So kudos to them. It worked out. Yeah. But that team is so top heavy. They've got all their money in like nine. Eight or eight or nine players, and they're just one injury away from you know. You talk about the 49ers and their depth at several positions. The Rams aren't very deep, yeah. And they, I think, right now we are all even. And from what I've seen four games in, we're clearly the best team in our division. Clearly, Seattle's not good. I don't think Arizona's good. Now, they're going to get D-Hop back, and I'm sure that'll make a difference. But, um, yeah, it's interesting as a 49er fan and what we're going through with Jimmy. They, in Arizona, every single play, after every play on Twitter, there's there's this running thing with Kyler and his body language. (laughs) His body language is horrible, but... They they they're really on him. He's a talented dude, but yeah. I don't know. He he's he's you know he's got a ways to go to develop as a leader. Um, so I just say that to say that we just need to keep it together, get Jimmy in game shape and on the same page with his offense. And um, I think that we should be able to take this division because I I don't. I, I I think the arrow was up on us, but I don't see the arrow being up on any of those other teams. I think the Rams have to play Dallas next, who uh, is three and one. So and their defense is legit. Yeah. The Cowboys defense is legit. And Cooper Rush, you know, I'm not ready to put him in the Hall of Fame yet, but I think he Jerry he, is. Yeah, he appears to be at least a competent backup. For sure, I think we can say that about him at this point. Yeah. I don't know that he's a. I don't know that he's an everyday, every week starter. But you know, he, you know, uh, a backup quarterback doesn't have to be. He just needs to be good enough in two or three starts, and he's been that. Yeah, he's at least that. So, yeah. So you watch a lot of uh, a lot of NFL, and and you keep up with some of these some of these teams. Mm-hmm. Four four weeks in. What teams are impressing you to the point of your in your mind you're doing the math going like okay if the 49ers face this team how would how would we be able to to beat them uh because you know four games in is not a, a large chunk you probably want to get you know a little closer to to half halfway mm-hmm. through before you're declaring you know Super Bowl contenders here but you know when you look at someone like the Eagles like the Billy Eagles is legit they're legit I, I, uh, I think um, I, I like I liked Hertz a lot last year, and I know he kind of uh, he he didn't have a great uh, playoff game there. Mm-hmm. But if Hertz can make that next jump, like that's just going to be tremendous for them. And he's already playing pretty pretty darn good football. But um, you know, mentioned Philly, the Cowboys, they're both in the Niners conference. So you know, if the Niners are going to be good. They may have to run through those guys in the playoffs if the Niners make the playoffs. But who else do you think is kind of at that level? Well, the, when you asked the question, those were the two teams that that really um, jumped to mind. Um, Cowboys, their defense is good. I don't. I, I'm still not a believer in their offense, even though Cooper Rush has played well. CD Lamb seems kind of, you know, um, up and down to be a number one receiver. Um, the Eagles seem to be like a total package. Their defense is really good. They're able to run the ball 
Hurts, I, I don't I haven't seen anything out of Hurts that I don't think isn't sustainable. He it, he's legit, I think. But I was on him last year. Um, so a lot of people I think relate to the party on him because they, mm-hmm. you know, for some reason, you know, seem to be like rooting for him to fail or whatever. But um I think they don't want to be wrong. That's why. Yeah. I, I think he's good. I think just to just to just to you're making a great point here. And I think we need to point it out because this is exactly what we talked about last week, which is where the NFL is going. And a lot of these fans have been told over and over and over that if you have a running quarterback, that quarterback is not going to be good enough in the pocket to win games. And so Hertz has that because that was exactly what the people who didn't like him said when when he was drafted. And now he's, you know, he's leading, you know, what is one of the best teams in in the league right now. And people are just waiting for him to have a bad game so that they can go, okay, even though there's these Mm -hmm. other 20 games where he's played well, here's the one where I can say I told you so. Yeah. I mean, I I I don't know what the tipping point is going to be for those devotees of the cement shoe <laughs> pocket passer. Super Bowl. He's got to win a Super Bowl. When you Lamar you, Jackson, he's got to win a Super Bowl. When you watch all over the league, RPO based offenses are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody is running them. And even I mean, I mean everybody. Everybody is running them. That that is just what football is becoming. And as I've told people online, all you have to do is look, I happen to enjoy Friday football. I enjoy Saturday football and I enjoy Sunday football. But if you look at the quarterback prospects in college, preparing for next year's draft, you hard pressed to find any of those. I don't see the cement shoe um pocket passers everybody it, it seems to me that being able to move is a prerequisite now it's not it's not a nice you know as Kyle says you know obviously you got to be able to throw the ball but you also need to be able to move around and make things happen when a play breaks down we, so, had, this, we had this running joke last year where I was like there's no other player I root to fail more than Mac Jones. Oh. And it was it's 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 petty. It's petty on my it but, is. but the, it's it's more the idea that Mac should have been drafted over Trey. Like I hate that idea. And I'm not saying that Mac is not going to be a good player because he had a really good rookie season, but what happens is now they have tape on him and he doesn't have that extra get out of jail free card with his legs. Garrett, so, Garrett, they made him 85 in the top 100. <laughs> what what are we doing? Mac Jones for real y'all? Yeah. Yo, they really are wishing. Yes. <laughs> they are really wishing. But, but that's the point, dude. right? I don't I don't hate Mac Jones the player. I hate the idea that this type of player is the only type of quarterback who can succeed and look Stafford, right? Stafford won the title last year. So there is, there is some data there, but you know, I, I look at someone like Mahomes, even, you know, Rogers, when Rogers came out of, out of Cal, he was running a pro set offense, but he was, he had a ton of ability to get out of the pocket and run. He doesn't run as much now because he's older, but a young Aaron Rodgers was using his feet to get first downs. So, but this is a very antiquated idea yeah but even they're running rpo now again as i've as i said as as kyle has said you know the o and rpo is option and now the fact that aaron chooses to throw most of the time is because he chooses that option but the option is there for him to run if he chose to just like mahomes and but mahomes will run it more than aaron will um because he can. I mean, yeah. that dude is, he's the truth. <laughs> but, you know, to, add, to to further answer, the only other team I really, I think, 
you you know just because of Aaron it's interesting to watch him and how he is developing or helping develop those young receivers there you know that that's something to watch Watson hasn't really popped yet on um, Watkins or what it's what Christian whatever the one that was Trey's teammate um that was the draft darling um he hasn't really popped yet, but the Romeo Dobbs has. Um, so it's going to be interesting. So as far as other competitors for us, I think it's definitely Dallas, the Eagles, the Packers, and I guess the Bucks. The Bucks defense is good. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to be the one to say Tom Brady's cooked, but <laughs> – but there are signs <laughs> that um that Tom Brady is not the same Tom. I saw a meme um the other day that was saying this is Tom Brady now that had Jordan and with the Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still the goat, but um there's levels <laughs> to this. You know when uh, when we were younger. There was there was always the uh, George Blando's the oldest player to like ever play or to ever play quarterback or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the yeah. the stat was, and I was trying to figure out when. Uh, so I think Tom Brady is older than George Blanda when George Blanda stopped playing quarterback in the NFL. So that's how old Tom Brady is. Wow. So, so that age old. Uh, tale of George Blanda is, is, is Tom Brady. He is now, is now Tom him. Brady now. It's, it's now Tom Brady. It's, it's Tom Brady now. Uh, so a couple of other things, you know, we spent, we've gone about 40 minutes without really talking about Jimmy. I think we need to give him a few kudos here because the one thing that I think he did very well is, and and we saw, because we we played the Rams three times last year, so we saw what happened the good Jimmy versus the bad Jimmy. And and I've said, if Jimmy can just play consistently, play B-plus football, I don't even need him to be an A. I just need him to be a B-plus. And this team is good enough to win around him. Uh, he did not take any sacks today. And more importantly than not taking any sacks, he did not throw any balls like just blindly to not take that sack. He was very quick in his decision-making, and some of this was Shanahan. We knew Shanahan was not going to allow Jimmy to, 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 to take very long with, with some of these throws because, you know, 99's lurking constantly, right? So I thought Jimmy's decision-making was good. His throws, I don't know. If, if Jimmy's an A+, the Niners may have won this game like 35-10 to 10 or, or something yeah. like that. So the B-plus Jimmy was good enough to win. Uh, and, and I think that's all that I can really expect out of him because if if I expect more than that, like like you said, uh, w- when he came back, um, we're kind of setting him up for failure. He's not going to be that guy. And uh, I liked his decision making. Some of the throws could have been better. Thankfully, they, that one did not get picked off. But um, yeah, and and you know, Rick makes a good point. Uh, Shelvin as well. Uh, props to the, to the banged up O line, like. The Niners average four yards per carry without a Debo, you know, long run. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I think he had 78 yards rushing. So, although, you know, 32 of that, 32 was that one. And, but, uh, um, Brunskill came in and played well. And then it, it seemed like, which is the only, with the best case scenario for us is because it seemed like, you know, um, Burford was struggling. But I mean, Aaron Donald is a problem for everybody. But um, there's one play where Kittle is is reaching. It's late late, later in the game. I think it's fourth quarter. Kittle is like reaching for for yards. Like he he makes a catch. He goes through the first tackle, and he's extending and he's stretching. And Donald comes in and blasts him and stops all momentum for poor George Kittle. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, George Kittle's a big dude, and he's he able to to fight through some of this stuff. 
And Donald just was like, nope, here, here's the wall, and you're going to go backwards. I was like, yeah. Jesus, this guy. Yeah. So, and then, so I, as I mentioned with Brunskill, he comes in, kind of settles everything down, and then Burford comes back in, and they're, they're, then they're kind of like rotating, which is interesting in game that um, they're, which is cool. I mean, I, I think that should happen more often. If a guy's not playing well, just pull him. And I mean, he doesn't have to be done forever. Yeah. I mean, that happens at receiver. It happens at running back. It didn't happen today at running back, which is something I want to ask you about. And I found interesting mm-hmm. that Jeff Wilson, you know, Debo got a couple of carries. Juice got a carry, I think. But primarily, it was Wilson tonight. Yeah. You yeah. know, he got all of the running back run, which I thought was interesting because Mason and Mac and I, yeah, Mason and Mac and um, Coleman all were active t- tonight, but none of them saw any run on offense. At least I know Mac recovered that fumble um, on special teams, but um, I think yeah. Coleman was in on a pass play. I think okay, and I okay. thought you were going to say, "Can we talk about Tevin Coleman?" <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Uh, no, it was it was very interesting because I did think we were going to see some variation and some change up and some. Uh, but once they took that lead, uh, he seemed really confident in, in Wilson and Wilson was running hard. Like, yeah, that was the thing is he was not dancing. He was just shooting for the hole and he was moving his legs and there. I don't know if he had I mean, he may have had one play where they tried to go wide where he lost yardage, but I think that was the only one and everything else was positive yardage. So that was kind of the game Shanahan was playing. And and I imagine if the 49ers did get behind a little bit and he needed some, you know, maybe a, a playmaker, a playmaker here or there, maybe Coleman does get in the game uh, to, as, as a third down back or something. And, and they do, they dial up something for him, but yeah, I, it, you know, it was kind of, I'm sure Shanahan was like, great. Like, this is kind of what I want to do. And we didn't give up the lead, which I know all 49er fans were just waiting to happen because the NFL, like I mentioned this, the NFL is built for these games to be close. It teeters towards the offense in just about every single part of the game where the offense gets the the benefit of the doubt over the defense on all of these penalties and all the rules. And so I, I pretty much figured, like, okay, it's going to come down to the to Jimmy having to to get a couple of first downs and for us to win by one point. Thankfully, it didn't happen that way. But I know a lot of 49er fans felt that that was what's what the game was going to be about. Well, I mean, because like you like you say, the NFL is set up that way. Because still, even up until the final pick six, it was still a one score game. Um, so. It was it was there for it to be close. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, fortunately for us, the defense made a play to um, go ahead and put it out of reach. But I, I was fully expecting it to be at six minutes, you know, a one score game. And thankfully, the. Thankfully, the Robbie Gould miss didn't hurt us either. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I was like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> yeah, he's still my MVP. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, we've gone through too many of them to, yeah. to, 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 to be uh, too negative about Robbie. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, the player of the game here. I think we have a, a large list of guys to pull from. I think, and I'll let you figure out yours because I think. There's so many people that you could pick because I think the the Niners played a really, really good football game. And, you know, Rick and Shelvin were saying, look, the offensive line without Trent there, you know, they they played over their heads. And the defensive line, I thought, played excellent. The Bosa and then, you know, the sacks that came and Hufunga. You could name all these guys. I'm going to go to Debo because of the fact that his ability to break plays allows the 49ers to not have to play perfect football on offense because they can kind of, you know, they start hot. And, and this is, we've seen this before. They start hot, they had a good first drive. And then all of a sudden it's like three and out, three and out, three and out. And you're like, ah, but then Debo makes a play. And it's like, okay, I'm fine with 
with how they're doing it because, you know, we got that guy who can make that play. And the second he made that play, you were like, okay, now we're not dependent on, we have a little bit of wiggle room here. You know, the defense, if, if they give up a big play, we're okay. Because if not, if, if you're, if you don't have those kind of plays and you're just sort of, you know, kind of going up and down the field very slowly, the defense could slip and there could be another Dante Pettis like play. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, what happened to this game? Debo afforded them to not have to worry about, okay, if we make one bad play, you know, we could lose this thing. So I thought that was the play of the game because it gave them some space to actually have the lead. And it gave the defense a little bit of, uh, you know, it took, a, it took a lot of the pressure off of their back, I thought, because they're, you know, they have to play against Stafford and Cup and knowing what was going like, you know, the, because of the game that I think the, the Rams had the possession, time of possession, like mm-hmm. 36 to 24 or something like that. So it gave them the space to not have so much pressure to if they needed to make if they were going to make a mistake. Great. We, we Debo made that play so that. Everyone doesn't have to play so tight. So I thought that was the biggest play in the game, and he's my guy. Okay, you're right. He is a player of the game. But I'm at a place now where moving forward, Debo and Nick are disqualified. <laughs> From my standpoint, they, they can't be player of the game. I love it. Because love they're it. player of the game every, every game. Week. <laughs> every week. So my guy this week is Dre Greenlaw. And he was my guy, or he was one of my guys last week. I think I had two last week. He was he was amazing. He showed up in tackles, which, you know, can be misleading. Yes. But he also had, let me see, he also had a sack. He also had a forced fumble. So in addition to however many tackles it was i know he's credited according to the espn box score he was credited with 15 total tackles and 12 solo tackles which is twice as many as fred warner had who was second behind him yeah so he's my guy this week again you are the correct answer is Debo, but if Easy you're not answer. counting, if you're not counting Debo, and if it's not Debo, it's Nick because he was just, you know, you know, whatever it was, four, four quarterback hits. I count. I gave, I gave um, Greenlaw a half a sack on one of those sacks, but they gave it to Nick, so they said Nick had two. I had him at one and a half, and then with Dre having a half as well. But either way, he was all over the place and he was really impactful. And I think that's important with, you know, you know, to have that second impact player out there with Fred Warner is really, it really speaks to what you and Rick t- have talked about as a theme here is the depth on defense that we have to have mm-hmm. a guy that good. And it was good to see him get, get his money um, this week as well, you know, he, he's, he made a couple, he's made a couple of bonehead plays this season, you know, uh, but you can accept plays of aggression. You know, if a guy has got his toes on the line, you know, with aggression, you can kind of live with that. Um, so that's my guy this, this week is Dre Greenlaw. Good job. All right, let's talk about the last thing, which is kind of setting us up for next week's game, which is uh, Niners going to Carolina on on Sunday. It's it's actually a, an afternoon game or a late or, or an early evening game for people uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. I I feel like the Niners should go into Carolina and wax these guys. However. They are, I believe they're three and one. And um, you know, not 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 to say that they're that they're world beaters in in, in being uh no, they're actually no, they're I, I'm sorry, I had their record incorrect. They're one and three. Um, I don't know why I had that flipped around. Um 
but they are uh, a team where I feel like the Niners should go in there and wax them. I remember being uh, the last time they played the Panthers. I was uh, I, I was at the game in in uh, Santa Clara, and I. I think the Niners won by like 40 points or something. So maybe that's kind of in the back of my mind as far as what this, this Panthers team is. Um, but if you kind of dig in a little bit more closely in their one and three record, their net points is not terrible. And so they're losing close games. Their problem in uh, one of their big problems is that, they have a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who's not playing very well, but they don't have a plan B because the guy who they brought in last year to be their top dog, Sam Darnold, is still hurt. So it's kind of like they have to play Baker because they have nobody else. But um, I don't know. Also, those teams, you know, we always talk about sort of trap games. You kind of worry about that Niners coming off of a Monday night game. They're on this high. They just beat their uh, their their rival, and you kind of go in and overlook Carolina a little bit. And Carolina needs a win. They just got beat by the Cardinals. They're gonna go in. They're gonna play the Rams next the the week after next. So, you know, if they're ever gonna right their ship, it's got to be in in one of these next two weeks. So I'm very hopeful that the the Niners can can kind of go in there and, and take care of business. But it it does scare me a little bit. In that, you know, there there are some possibilities for for trap game kind of stuff heading into next Sunday. I just think, you know, I you know, I say this knowing that I mean I watched the bear game and I watched the game last week, but I've watched a bit of Carolina. <laughs> I lived in North Carolina for a while, so I kind of you know adopted them. As, where you know, where in North Carolina? I lived in Wilmington for a couple okay. of years, um, and went to a went to a Panther game, and neighbors were Panther fans, so I kind of follow them. McCaffrey hasn't really got off. Their offensive line is a big question mark. Their defense is decent, but they've got a lot of injuries. They, their corner J.C. Horn is really good, um, but. We shouldn't have any problem containing them with our defense, with what they've got going on on offense. And we should be able to move the ball um, on them. So this, this is a game where we should win by double digits. But offensively, we really haven't shown the ability to like put teams away yeah, like that. So it's on the road, I, you know. So it's gonna be, you know, we're, we're it's not we're not gonna make it easy. You know, I just know that at this point. But I would expect us to be able. It should be a comfortable win, but it's the NFL, so who knows? But um, yeah, we if we lose this game, it's a problem. You know, yeah. we're talking about. Chicago level problem where we're, you know, cause that's going to be a game that we look back on at the end of the season. I don't know that it'll end up costing us anything, but we, we're going to look back on that. So that that's one where we definitely like let like get away. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, so you'll remember, I think Fort Dander fans will remember the, the last time we played Carolina because Nick Bosa tipped a pass and then intercepted it and ran all the way down the field. Like he was going to score a touchdown. And then I think he gassed out before he got there and he got tripped <laughs> yeah. up in like inside the five or something. So, uh, yeah, my, my wife went to, she, she, she did her uh, masters at UNC. So she's got, she's also got some family out in Gastonia. Okay. okay. Home of big game. James worthy. That's where big mm-hmm. game James is from. I love the triangle. Oh my God. That's one of my favorite places. North, you know, Raleigh, Durham. Yeah. It's, it's, that's an awesome place. I can't imagine having gone to college there. I'd have never, that was a, that was, that was a problem everywhere I went. Yeah. I, I found, I found the parties everywhere. So it it wouldn't have mattered. But I, for the time, from the time I've spent in Raleigh, I, 
I love it there. So that yeah, I, it's I'm a cool sure place. That was a blast. I'm Definitely sure a cool place. Blast. Yeah, I think if I lived out there, I would probably be 25 pounds heavier than I am. Oh now. So man, it's a good it's a good thing that I don't because yeah. every time we go on vacation, I'm just like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, so we'll be back next week after the Carolina game, hopefully with smiles on our faces, uh, like like uh like this game, and and I I, I maybe even smiles on our faces as as big as this guy here uh old, old jerry drinking dr- drinking i'm brown. so glad you captured that picture because <laughs> if you could post that in the group that would be great because i want to i want that's going to be a meme of some sort oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> all right so uh we'll be back uh next week uh you can find our audio on uh, the BSPN Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network podcast feed by searching through BSPN. And our YouTube page, same thing, just search for BSPN. We're putting clips and stuff of, uh, you know, we have this long show, but I'm also posting clips of of just smaller conversations that uh, that people may want to check in on if they don't have the, the full hour to listen to us. And uh, BSPN on... Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at BSPN shows. And yeah, if you have uh, the ability to subscribe to YouTube, to follow us on any of our social media, to uh, subscribe to our, our podcast feed and maybe even leave us a five-star review in in Apple pods or Google or whatever you use to listen to pods. That would be awesome. Uh, You know, we're trying to trying to grow this thing a little bit Uh, tomorrow. I will be doing uh, Thompson to Clark, but my buddy Brad, my my co-host Brad, who is the Rams fan, who I tried to get to come on with us tonight, but he's on vacation. He's I think he'll be able to do it the next time that they play. Uh, he's out of town, so my son, who I do the the Death Lineup podcast with on this network, he's going to join the Giant Show. So that'll be tomorrow around five to five fifteen ish Pacific time. So if you are around that time, you want to talk some Giants baseball. Only two games left after this season to uh, for for the Giants, and then the wild card and all that stuff comes. So, um, thanks to everybody who was checking us out. Rick, Shelvin, stalwarts in our in our we want winners community. Um, other other folks who I've never seen, like uh, Derek Russell, was in here. Really appreciate you, Derek, and of course the great Mark Nobita was also hanging out with us live. So for Rod, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace Peace, out.